summer faith series. I've enjoyed doing this. Um, again, we had something different in the month of July, and I enjoyed that, enjoyed teaching that. I hope you've enjoyed receiving through the summer. But our summer faith series, uh, just talking on specific subjects regarding how to have faith in those. We, we've, we've talked about, you know, literally in, in every one of these messages about having faith in God, trust in God, having faith in trusting God, having faith in, in a lot of different things because, because the Bible is it's a faith book, but faith isn't a subject with just a few principles that if you if you work those principles, then, you know, like a magic trick, something will just pop out of a hat. And, and some people, you know, a lot of people that teach faith have been accused of that through the years, but the, just a lot of people that don't understand what faith is. You know, you might be in a conversation with somebody that says, uh, well, I'm of the faith. Okay? Of the faith of what? You know, I'm, I'm of the faith. Well, what are they meaning? Well, I'm of that faith, like that denomination or that organization or that group or whatever. I'm of that faith. Well, yeah, I, I can understand that. I can, I can go with that. But that's not the faith we're talking about here. Um, some people can say, can, can talk about faith, you know, in, in a way that they are trying to describe something they're attempting to accomplish. Well, I'm, I'm trying to have faith for that. Well, okay, I, I understand you're, you're, you're attempting to come into a place of revelation and understanding about what it is that you're, you want to see accomplished, but faith isn't something you try. Faith is something you do. Amen. But to do faith, there is a whole world of consecrating yourself to certain things that you could never operate in faith if you don't consecrate yourself to it. And the number one thing is you must consecrate yourself to the will of God. And the will of God is the Word of God. See, so if, 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 if I... If I'm in a conversation, and I'm in lots of conversations all the time because I look for conversations with people, but if I'm in a conversation with, with a person, and I can, you, know, you can usually tell in five minutes where someone is, somebody can tell with me and sitting with me for five minutes where I'm at in life. But, but when you have your spiritual antennas up and you're wanting to minister life to people and someone, you're, in, you're in a conversation with somebody and you know in about a five-minute period of time whether they're saved or not. You just know. And you're not judging them to be critical. You just know where they're at. And the reason we need that type of discernment is because not everybody needs everything that you know about the Bible at specific times. And for me to expect someone to know how to live by faith that's not even born again is ridiculous. Or I may be in a conversation with somebody that's been born again for a period of time, or they've been born again for a long period of time, but they've never been taught what faith really is. For them, for you to expect them to live by faith in something and trust God and really have trust in God, and they have no revelation and enlightenment of that, that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. 
And we have to have great compassion on people, not, and, and really not in the comparing business, but in the development business. The Great Commission was for us to go make disciples so that people would think like Jesus and not think like you. Now, God wants people to think like you where you think like Jesus, but God doesn't want your doctrinal views that don't line up with the Word to be ruled by people's lives in, you know, and in people. I'm very thankful for my inception into the kingdom and the people that I had the opportunity to sit under that taught me the Word. I'm so, so grateful because I didn't have any teaching before I was 18 years old. I wasn't born again. So I got born again right about the time I turned 18, right before I turned 18. And I, 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 was, I delved right into the Word. So I wasn't just indoctrinated into a way of thinking in a denomination. I, got, I went right into the Word and I've had a passion for, for 40 years now that I've been born again. I've had a passion for the Word of God. And I'm so grateful for the Word that, that taught me in the beginning and taught me how to develop a life of faith and trust in God. Well, that life of faith and trust, and this is the title of my message today, that life of faith and trust has only been developed through the person of the Holy Spirit. The title of my message today is Faith in the Spirit. Not faith in the spirit realm, but faith in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He's not something that floats around. He's not an angel. He is a person. The Bible says nine times in the New Testament, it talks about, it talks about He, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Him, uses those words. He, the Holy Spirit, meaning He's a person. He's not a thing or an it or just you know, some cosmic existence. He is a person. And that person lives inside of me to reveal me to me truth so that I can have faith in God and I can trust God for any and everything. So I want to just share a few verses of Scripture and talk about this experience with God, with the Holy Spirit, that it's a covenant connection. And, it's, and it was God's plan before the foundation of the world for you and I to enter into covenant with God through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. We have to have faith in the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. If not, then you'll trust everything you see, everything you feel, how things appear to be instead of what God says through the Holy Spirit enlightening you and revealing things to you on a day-to-day basis. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? He's asking you a question. There's a question mark at the end, of that, uh, the end of that verse, the end of that sentence. Do you not know? Do you know that you, your body is a temple that the Holy Spirit lives in? Well, you need to know that. You need to be aware of it. Every morning, you need to wake up. And as your eyes open, you need to say, Hello, Holy Spirit. Hello. Thank you for being with me. Thank you that you're here with me. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given me. I thank you that I don't have to enter into this day on my own trying to figure it out, but I can be led by the Spirit and accomplish great things today. Do you not know? You need to know. Romans 8 
And verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you'll live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, those who are led by the Spirit. Verse 16, For the Spirit Himself, the Spirit Himself that's inside of me, bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. So the Holy Spirit inside of me is revealing to my spirit who I am, what I am, what I have a right to, and everything that supernaturally will work in my life. How I can live and operate and breathe and overcome and not live on this earth like I have no help. I have the helper, the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Galatians 5 and verse 16. I'm, I'm, I'm running pretty quick through a, a number of verses of Scripture to get to where I want to be. 5 and 16, just kind of laying a foundation of the person of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, I say then, this is Galatians 5 and verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They're contrary one to another, so that you, knew, you, you don't do the things that you want to do. Have you ever felt like, you know what? I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to do that. But I did it anyway. You know why? Because you didn't listen to the Holy Ghost first. Okay, we'll get, we'll get back to that. Amen? Romans 12 and verse 2. Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, uh, let's look at this in the Amplified. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. And then your life can prove what is the perfect will of God. But your mind has to be renewed first. Your mind has to be renewed. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, set you apart completely, and, the, and, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Now, How many are born again today? Just lift your hand and don't look around. Who isn't? doesn't matter. Okay. So if you're born again today, your soul and your body were not born again. Your spirit man was born again. And I'm going to show you in Scripture where a lot of people misrepresent the soul. Your soul does not get saved the day that you accepted Jesus. That was not your soul salvation. If that was true, 
then every wrong thought and every wrong idea and every wrong attitude that you had would have been changed. I don't know about you, but the day I got saved, I still had some ugly thoughts. Right? But according to, and you don't, we don't need to turn to these, I'm just, I'm just remind, you can write them down if you're taking notes, but James 1.21 says, receive the engrafted word that you're able to, ha, ha, that your soul will be saved. Receive the engrafted word that is able to save your soul, and that saving of the soul is on a day-to-day basis. You receive the word. You're listening to the Word today. You're receiving what's being said. That, the message that's being ministered, Holy Spirit on the, on the inside, man, he's doing, he's doing calisthenics on the inside of you. Yes, oh, they're hearing this Word. Oh, yes, they're going to get it. They're going to leave here, and they're going to take the Word that, 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 that Pastor talked about, and, and they're going to listen to me because I've got the truth of what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is the true teacher. But the Bible talks about you needing to hear from someone else and then taking what you hear up here and allowing it to be processed and worked down on the inside of you. Amen? It's able to save your soul. Uh, that's James 1.21. In Psalm 23, Psalm 23 talks about restoring your soul. The soul has to be renewed. It has to be saved. It has to be restored. And when something is restored, it's brought what? Back? It's brought back to its original state. See, your soul, the original state of your soul was with God. And the original state that your soul comes back to is thinking like God. All of us in life have been contaminated with wrong thoughts, wrong ideas, and so as a result... That we're human beings that walk around with a soul that is programmed to be jealous. It's been programmed to be competitive. It's, it's, it's been programmed to compete. It's, it's programmed to be intimidated. It's programmed to be in fear, to be fretful, to be overcome by all of these different things. We walk around and our soul is programmed. So your soul has to be restored. It has to be saved. It has to be renewed to think like God does. Now, your body wasn't saved either. And your body will do whatever it wants. Through what your eyes see, what your ears hear, it will control what your body does. Now, I'm not getting into spirit, soul, and body today, but I'm making this point. Your soul and your spirit wage a war for your flesh. For this. And if you're feeding your spirit, man, the Word of God, and it's renewing your mind, then your body will line up and do the things it needs to do. Look, look at, real quickly, back at the Galatians 5 we were just at. And look at verse 25. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
Well, uh, back it up to verse 24, I'm sorry. Those who are Christ have been crucified. The flesh with its passion and desires, if we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. What we try to do in keeping ourselves from doing something wrong cannot be accomplished when we're trying to do it with our soul. But when our spirit man is fed and it's built up and my mind is being renewed, then I have the strength to tell my body, we're not going after that. I'm not looking on that. I'm not, I'm not allowing myself to do this thing or that thing right there because I've been built up. We receive the engrafted word that is able to save, to restore, and to renew our mind. And we have to think like God thinks. Now, I'm saying all that to get to a certain place. John 3, 6, we don't need to turn there. John 3, 6, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You can't be born again unless you've been born once. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit, right? And Nicodemus had a hard time understanding that because he's trying to figure it out with his head. God wants you and I to lay down our, our struggles with trying to understand who God is and let the Holy Spirit reveal it to us. Now, in the Old Testament in Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah 31, I want to look at a promise. I want to read this out of the I'm going to read this out of the Amplified today. But Jeremiah 31 and verse 33 and 34. And it says, But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law, not laws, but my law within them. And on their hearts will I write it. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will no more teach each man his neighbor and his, each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, recognize, understand, and be acquainted with me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will seriously, seriously remember their sin no more. When is that day? This is Jeremiah prophesying it hundreds of years before. What day is that? That's today. That's today. I will remember their sin no more. But verse 33 said, this is a covenant. He said, and after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law, my word, not laws, my word. I will put my word within them. And on their hearts will I write it. And I'll be their God and they will be my people. And this covenant of what's inside of us is this covenant revealed to us by the person of the Holy Spirit. You and I have to have faith in the fact that the Holy Spirit is real and that He really was sent here to do the job that He was called to do. That was to help us to enlighten us, and to reveal all things to us. That's his job. With that said, there's not anything in life you cannot overcome. Zip, zilch, not anything that you can't overcome if you learn 
how to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? John 7. A couple of confirming passages here in talking about this. Uh, John 7 and verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being, out of his belly, one translation says, will flow rivers of living water. And that belly or the inward part is that part where the Spirit of God is. We read scriptures earlier that said that the Holy Spirit and my spirit are one. And the Holy Spirit speaks to my spirit to tell my spirit what's true. That's where my focus and attention has to be on today. You know, every time that there's a problem in life, I don't care if it's on the national news, if it's something in your family, if it's something at work, if it's something at church, if it's something here, there, or wherever, every time that there is a, an issue, a problem, and it arises and you hear it, your natural mind wants to fix it. And your natural mind, if you're born again, your natural mind wants to take the natural information and try to spiritualize it and like pray something. Oh God, just do this. Or oh God, this or that or the other. When God gave us a plan in how to take information and what to do with it. You get information, something bad has happened or something not good has happened. He's given us the Holy Ghost. Thank God. Paul said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. He said, I thank God that I pray in tongues and had the revelation. I, I thank God today that I pray in tongues and have that revelation. If you don't pray in tongues, God wants to give you the revelation. He doesn't want to, like, control you with that thing. He wants to give you the revelation of the benefit. Because my benefit is this. Information comes to me, I get to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when I pray, then I make declarations based on what He says I need to do. Does God know the situation that you have just faced with? Does He know that situation better than you? He's everywhere at all times, knows everything. So we got that guy living on the inside of us. We got, we got Father living on the inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And everything the Father thinks, He'll reveal to us if we'll give attention to the Holy Spirit and have faith in the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And if that's so, then we don't find ourselves making declarations about things or people or whatever that aren't from the Father. Because I promise you, it's a waste of time and it'll never produce. Ever. I mean ever, ever, ever. Amen? So the promise here is that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So... Spirit of God was not yet in them like He was going to be, but He was preparing them and setting them up for it. Today, you and I have the Holy Ghost in us if we're born again. Can you say amen? Now, um, just another confirmation of what we just read in Jeremiah 31 is found in Hebrews 8. It's actually found in Hebrews a number of times. But in Hebrews 8, just, just for the sake of seeing it in the New Testament, I want to read it. Hebrews 8 and verse 10, 
says, For this is the covenant. Everybody say covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Amen? He said, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Why? Because of the covenant that he has with the Spirit of God. The covenant of the Spirit. And with you and I having faith in the Holy Spirit inside of us, there's not anything we can't accomplish because we're in covenant relationship with God. Say, I am in covenant with God. Okay, now listen to me. You're not trying to be in a covenant with God. You are in a covenant with God. See? But you need enlightenment to what that really looks like because the covenant with God is through the person of the Holy Spirit. God didn't come to the earth and waste all kinds of time you know, allowing the Word to become His Son, and the Son, His only begotten Son, offering Him and sacrificing Him so He could prove how big He was in heaven. He didn't have to prove to anybody. He is that He is. The devil, all demons, and everything and everywhere knows that He is that He is. He didn't have anything to prove. He came here to establish the Son of Man and empower you and I to once again be connected with Him the way man was connected with God in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve gave it away. Listen, Adam and Eve gave it away. God didn't give anything away. God didn't change His mind about anything, so for 4,000 years, the whole plan was in operation for us to be reconnected to God, and that's the covenant we have with Him, the covenant of the Spirit. Now, Romans 13 And I want you to see this verse today. I want you to grab a hold of this. Romans 13 and verse 8. I want you to see today, as we read this, I want you to see today. You know... I've been saved for 40 years, and it seems as though all the time that what gets revealed to me is the simplicity of God's Word and His kingdom and His way of doing things. It's so absolutely simple, and what, what has gotten in the way is our soul. Our soul's gotten in the way of the simplicity that God set this kingdom to be. You know, He made a covenant he, he made a covenant with mankind. Mankind gave it away. The covenant didn't change, but he had, he had to make a new covenant because they destroyed the first one, but yet God's, God had not changed. He, he was the same. And so mankind, there had to be a new covenant, and, and that new covenant ratified, created a whole new avenue and a way for you and I to live on planet earth the way God intended for man to live. And the way he intended for you and I to live is what we're going to see in this passage in Romans and a couple other verses that we're going to look at. See, because we're to have faith in the Holy Spirit for what? For what? So I'm going to answer that question. We're to have faith in the Holy Spirit 
actually for only one thing. Actually, we're to have faith in the Holy Spirit for one thing. It touches all kinds of things, but it's only for one reason. And when I was studying this earlier in the year, when I was spending time in this, I knew this day would come when I was going to share this. Something just went off in me. Something about three or four years earlier had gone off in me about this, but I didn't see it as clear as I saw it earlier in the year. And as I've been preparing to share this today, it's just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger inside of me what this one thing that the Holy Spirit's job is in the earth. Now we know he's to reveal all truth, and that's what this is, what I'm fixing to talk about. And, and, and he's the helper, and he's all these different things. He's the stand-in. But it's for one thing. It's for one thing, and it's this right here. And I'm going to prove it. I'm, I'm going to prove it. I'm, I'm going to share about four or five more passages of Scripture as I bring this thing to a close to prove this very point. Verse 8, Romans 13. Owe no one anything except to love one another. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love does no harm or ill will to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, I'm going to ask you this. <clears throat> Are you required to keep the Ten Commandments? Don't answer. I want you to think about it. Are you required to keep the Ten Commandments? He read, he, he mentioned four or five of them there. There's ten. And actually there's six hundred and some odd commandments in the Bible. Are you, let's just talk about the ten that, I mean, nations have fought over putting them up on the wall, taking them down from the wall, doing this. Are you required today to keep the Ten Commandments? Now, you're going to have to go figure this out for yourself, but I'm going to tell you this. You're not. You're not required to keep the Ten Commandments. Not in the light of the New Testament. Ten Commandments are obsolete. I've never met a person that was walking in love like the agape love that the Bible talks about that would commit adultery with his neighbor's wife. I've never met a person that was walking in true love that would hold up a convenience store and rob money from it. I've never met a person 
that was walking in true love that would hurt anybody else. So my point is this. If you want to keep the Ten Commandments, this says you walk in love. You don't have to try to keep the Ten Commandments. Where you spend all your energy and your effort is learning to walk in love with the ones that are most unlovely to you. Jesus made a point. It's in Luke somewhere. He said, in the Beatitudes, or in one of the attitudes, he said, the way you want people to treat you, you take the first step, you treat them that way, and that's the way it'll come back to you. It's all about how we live life today that will cause our life to line up with what the will of God is. Notice this said here in verse 10. Listen to, the, uh, put the amplified up there for me in verse 10. Can you put the amplified? Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. Remember, your neighbor is everybody but you. It's your spouse, it's your kids, it's your this, it's that, it's whoever it is. Your neighbor is just whoever's not you. Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Something that has become so real to me is every decision, every choice I make, the first person I think about is my wife. How will what I do affect her? How will what I do, how will my actions affect the person next to me? What will my actions do to make life difficult on the next person? There have been times in my life when, when my actions made it difficult on other people. There have been times in my life when my actions made it difficult on my wife. I wasn't considering her before my actions, before I did what I did. You are not big enough and strong enough to accomplish that without faith in the Holy Spirit. You've got to believe the Holy Spirit is there and that He will give you the power. One of the things that, one of the practices that has helped me in my life is when my flesh wants to react to take a step back. And in that time of taking a step back, pray in other tongues. I don't care where you're at. If you're at work, go to the bathroom. Too many people in the bathroom, go in the stall. Amen? Shut it. Sit in there for however long you need to. What's, what's better? To react in a, in a negative way and causing ill will to somebody created in the image of God or to get a control over yourself and control over the things that you do and say? See, this is the promise of Jeremiah. I'll put my spirit in them. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. Man, can you, can you hear the Father saying that? He's saying that you are his people. You're his child. 
They're letting me be their God in those days because of what I'm going to give them and how I'm going to position them. They're going to believe in me and and I'll be able to be their God on a day-to-day basis. I'll be able to be involved in everything they do, every decision that they make, every wrong thing that comes at them. I'll empower them to overcome because they'll listen to me. That's our part. The one thing that the Holy Spirit came to the earth to do was to reveal truth to us and help us and teach us how to walk in love. I want to finish with just a couple of verses. Romans 5 and verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost. Look at Matthew 22 and verse 34. Matthew 22 and 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, um, ask him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments is what everything hinges on. For you to walk in and keep the Ten Commandments and the other 600 commandments in the Bible hinges on these two right here. And I'll just tell you this. The more you love your neighbor, the more you love God. Well, I'm just trying to love God with everything. It doesn't look like it. It looked like you're fixing to have a heart attack. Right? <laughs> trying to love him. You, 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 you won't. You can't try to love God. You've got everything you need on the inside of you to love God with all your heart. But the Bible says, how can you say you love God and you hate your neighbor? Not going to happen. So you have to practice on the ones that are most difficult. And I promise you, I promise you, you pray in other tongues. God will show you how to pray for people and not, God, not in the way that God get them. God, God's not after getting people. He's after liberating people. Same way he's liberated you and wants to continue to liberate you. He wants you to be a part of helping other people get liberated and set free. That's how we have to walk in love. Not criticize people. Has anybody, have you ever known anybody in life that didn't ever make a mistake? Okay, so everybody's in the same category, in the same boat. Everybody's made mistakes. So you can forgive people because you've been forgiven. He who's forgiven much forgives. You don't hold things against people. 
we walk in love. Amen? The whole thing hinges on this one commandment and this other commandment that are actually one. You can't separate the two because you cannot love God with all your heart, mind, and soul if you're not loving unlovely people. Well, I was good to that guy. I really like him. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Was it pro- Bible says, the Bible covers all this stuff. What does it profit you if you're good to those who are good to you? Nothing. Why? Because there's no faith that you're having to exercise in the person of the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what to do so that you renew your mind, you control your body, you control your mouth, you control your actions, you control the way you look, you control your eyes that look like, you know, knives that want to kill somebody. You control all those because the Holy Spirit's revealing to you how to do that. Can you say amen? So last two passages, Galatians 5, where we were earlier, and look at verse 13, Galatians 5, 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only don't use liberty or freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but do what? But through, so you're liberated to love one another. He said, but through love, serve one another. I like that even more. Well, not really, but you know, that's what it says. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And I'm just telling you, we don't take this serious. The body of Christ, the world in general, people everywhere, I don't care what. We don't take this serious. If you bite and devour one another, you will be consumed by each other. Somebody's got to come along and take the high road and walk in love. So, 1 Corinthians 13. You probably figured I'd get there. Verses 4 through 8. And I just, it's pretty lengthy, but I want to read it out of the Amplified because I like some of the wording. Love endures long and is patient and it's kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not, it's not boastful. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly. Some of us who have been rude, we've got to get over ourselves. Amen? We have to. It's not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly, love God's love in us, God's love in us, it's already in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it's not self-seeking, it's not touchy or fretful or resentful, it takes no account of an evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong, it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person, its hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. The absolutes in those four verses of Scripture right there is your success. Listen to me. Success in your life completely stems on this one thing. 
this one thing. It's one person that came to do one thing. And it's his voice revealing to you how to walk in love in every situation that you face. That's success. And if you notice, the absolutes in these, in these four verses of Scripture talk about there's no way you can fail. There's no way you can not, not overcome. See, a lot of people think that walking in love is kind of, you know, it's, it's walking in meekness. And a lot of people think that being meek is weak and, and, and you get run over and you're taken advantage of. No, no, no. When you walk in love, you're the one in control. See, you're leading the train. You're leading by example doing something that you don't want to do. God ever told you somebody that did something wrong to you? God ever, has God ever told you? I, I've had to do this a number of times where God said, you know what? See, I took a step back. I prayed in the Holy Ghost, and the Lord said, send him a gift. Wait a minute. I need to take a step back and keep praying. It must have been the devil. No, another one. That's got to be. That can't be God. No, because see, he's working on you to get over something, but he's he's using you to set an example and a tone for others to follow after. How will people know what love looks like if you're not walking in it? Well, they'll just walk in love. The way you want people to treat you, you take the first step and you treat them that way. It'll come back to you. I think I've told this story before, but just smile if, you, if you've heard it. Um, but when, my, when, when all my children were little, and like we'd have a night, we'd watch a movie and buy ice cream and eat ice cream, those kind of things. And, you know, I, I love ice cream with nuts. <laughs> just, but, but I like, I, I've found a couple of flavors that, I mean, just they're packed with nuts. And then I like to have an extra bag of nuts to mix in there because I just like nuts, you know. And... Uh, and so we'd go to the store, and, you know, instead of, you know, you go to the store, and if you're either going to take out a loan to, you know, buy ice cream for the whole family, or you're going to, you know, decide on, on one flavor. And uh, back in those days, I, I, could, I could just, I mean, I'm, I'm looking in the freezer thing, and I'm seeing that with all the nuts, and I'm knowing the rest of my family won't eat that, you know, and, and I, but yet my head's screaming out, and I'm thinking about how I could just, well, just buy a little one for me. But the Holy Ghost would say to me, He'd say, no, 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 what, what's best for everybody? You know, you buying something that just sounds good to you. And I'm not saying I did it every time. I'm saying that, that was the challenge, you know. That, that was the major challenge. I want you to do what's good for someone else. You know what? And then things will come back to you, you know. Somebody will buy you a gallon with nuts. <laughs> I was looked for that, but I never got that. Anyway, anyway. Seemed like it was a good thing. But, but, the, the, but you have to practice it at every level. Every situation that you find yourself in, you have to practice the love of God. Because, listen, why would we want... You, you know where the Bible talks about disappointing God? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've had so many people through the years, well, I'm just such a disappointment to God. I'm disappointing to Him. No. Nothing you do is a disappointment to God. What's disappointing, what's, what's very disappointing is the Holy Spirit that was sent here for a job. What's disappointing is that the Holy Spirit sits on the sideline a lot, of, a lot of times. He sits on the sideline not able to do what he was sent to do. 
Because he was sent here to reveal the word to you for you to walk in love. Because all of the other commandments, everything hangs on those two commandments right there. And I'm telling you today, you go study it out for yourself. The more you practice loving people, shutting your mouth, not putting your mouth on other people. People say, yeah, but Pastor, how do you talk about, some, uh, you know, how do you talk about a situation if you can't talk about the person? I don't know. Work it out. Work it out. We've practiced so long talking bad about people. What can happen if you shut your mouth and learn how to figure it out yourself? We got everything. We got all heaven on the inside of us to help us figure it out. I mean, is that the deepest concern? That how am I going to, how can I ever talk about the situation? Maybe we just need to shut our mouth for the rest of eternity. Unless we're going to declare the word of God. Well, that's just trying to be super spiritual. Yeah, it's trying to be connected to the Holy Ghost. That, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to convince you to connect to the Holy Spirit and take this stuff serious. I don't care if you've been saved for a day or for 75 years. You've got to develop it. We've got to get better at this. Because the whole world is waiting. I just last night saw that junk in, in Virginia going on. You know, all the racial stuff and the hatred and all those kind of things. You've got to take a step back. Don't, don't retaliate. Don't put something on social media before you allow the Holy Spirit to tell you what to say and do. But you pray. Listen, that's not just going on in Virginia. That's going on over all the United States and all over the world. See, those kind of things. They've been hidden, and it appears to be a little bit better. You can tell, you know, for things, with things like that, that it's not a lot better because it won't change until people walk in love. I don't care what your color your skin is. There's only, there's actually two races of people. It's a race and a half. There's only two races of people in the earth. The saved and the unsaved, but the unsaved... Are, are called to be a part of the race of the saved. So that's the only races. There, there's no other race. If, if my skin is a light color and your skin is a darker color, it's just that I was made out of lighter dirt than your darker dirt. That's all it is. We're, we, our body consists of about several buckets of water and dirt. And we're going to fight over that? I was, I was telling the prayer people this morning, I was telling our prayer group this morning that when I was, when I was growing up, I, I grew up about 40 miles from the Juarez border in, near El Paso, and, but I was in Las Cruces, New Mexico is where I was raised. And uh, I was telling the group that, you know, 85% of the population was Hispanic. And I, I really, I, I mean, I really didn't know Racism. Absolutely, I didn't know any of it. I mean, if, if you were to ask, all my friends were Hispanic, I just thought I was a Mexican. I never thought, I never gave thought to it until I, I left home to go to school and it was all this stuff. And I, and I moved to another area and it was, it was horrible, the things that I saw. That, that, that the Hispanic and, and the Asian people and the, and the African Americans and, and all, all the different color skin people, I was shocked. I had no clue. And I'm telling you today, people will not change if their soul is not restored 
not renewed and their soul is not saved on a day-to-day basis. Because if you've been taught that kind of mess from your childhood, that's not going to go away with hearing one message. That's going to go away by restoring and renewing and seeing your soul saved every single day and be reminded of that and give no place to the devil. Amen? Listen, people that are prejudiced, they have things against a a different color skin I don't care what it is what version to another version people that are that way it's because they were programmed and taught things that are not true and it's going to take us to walk in love in the midst of it don't take a side do not take a side walk in the love of God let the truth of God's word be what you stand up for amen I'll tell you what I know I'm rambling on but this needs to be said sometimes Martin Luther King has some of the greatest quotes for humanity that there are. I'd encourage you to go and Google Martin Luther King quotes and and listen to those quotes and, and, and post some of those that bear witness with your spirit. Not bear witness with, I don't care what color you are, it doesn't matter. What matters is the truth. That we speak and deliver the truth. And, and take quotes and things from other people, no matter what the color of their skin is, that is truth. And let the truth of His Word go forth like never before. Amen? We're people of truth. And we got the Holy Ghost revealing truth to us. And I'm telling you, we're winners today in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Father, we thank you for this great day. What a great day to be alive. What a great day to be a part of the kingdom of God. What a great day to have the opportunity, Lord, to hear your voice and to do the things that you want done in the earth. We're your representatives in the earth. We're your hands and your feet and we're your mouth. We're your eyes. We're your ears. We are you in the earth as we embrace you and embrace the person of the Holy Ghost inside of us. Lord, I declare today in this, in this house that we're a people that hear your voice. We hear your voice, and then we obey every single thing that you tell us to do. That's who we are. We're your people, filled with your spirit, hearing your voice, and obeying your commands. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you. This is the best day ever to be alive. And the future is wide open with the opportunities that we have to walk in love. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. i got to say one more thing. There is no excuse for walking out of love. It does not matter what anybody else does. There's no excuse not to walk in love. Situations that have happened, especially when people have been hurt or abused or those kind of things, walking in love is very difficult how to do it. It doesn't mean you go and tell people that have hurt you and abused you and those kind of things. You put yourself back in that environment. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying to guard your heart, your mind is renewed. The Holy Spirit will show you how to walk in love because there is nothing that has ever happened to any human being on planet Earth that God did not, through Jesus Christ, already set up the deliverance. 
There's no reason, no excuse for not walking in the love of God. Amen? Don't, 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 don't forget that. Of anything else I said today, don't forget it. There's no excuse. You can walk in love because you're not doing it in your own ability, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen?